Hey Grace, it's Chad, and I just want you to know we are excited that we get to in some way meet with you today. I know this is not ideal. As a matter of fact, I've realized that as I've thought through the week, we're just a few days into this, and I've noticed that there are numerous things that I'm missing on a Sunday morning that I did not expect to miss, things that I've taken for granted, things that I'm sure you have taken for granted. I, I miss Alder bringing me half of his breakfast in my office as I am finishing up getting ready for Sunday mornings. I miss Giles Parker giving me a fist bump and letting me know where he's at in the Harry Potter saga. I miss walking through the halls and seeing our kids workers getting ready to love on our church families. I, I miss hugging Miss Helen and convincing myself not to eat two cups of donut holes. There are so many things that I miss about getting together with you each Sunday. Keep in mind we're doing this really in service to our community, to care for those who are around us, to make sure that we are being a light in the darkness in the best way possible. So for us, as we get together today, uh, virtually, we're going to look into John chapter 17. We're starting a new series to get our hearts ready for Easter. It's called When Jesus Prayed. We're going to walk through John chapter 17 over the next three weeks, looking at what Christ has said to us about prayer and how He has shown us how He prays. When we look into John chapter 17, we're talking about Jesus, God the Son, talking to God the Father. Prayer is a unique thing. It's incredibly interesting. When you begin to think about it, when I begin to think about it, there are numerous times in my life that come to mind. Uh, one of those is when I was still single. I was at my apartment in Chattanooga, and my grandmother walked into the apartment, and I was looking for something. I dropped something underneath the futon in the living room, and I was on my face looking underneath that futon, and she walked in and began to apologize rapidly, letting me know that she was sorry that, I had, that she had invaded my prayer time. When we look into John chapter 17, we see Jesus, and we are allowed to enter into his prayer time, to meet with Jesus as he meets with God, as he talks to God the Father about what's taking place. What do you, as you think about prayer, consider in regard to who God is and how God shows Himself to you? So we're looking at this series today. The point of prayer, as we look at it, is to cause us to recognize our futility, to give us humility, and to really orient our hearts to God, who alone is capable to deal with all of those things. One more time, if you're a note taker. The point of prayer is to cause us to recognize our futility, to give us humility, and to orient our hearts toward God, who's the only one capable of dealing with those things. Now, when I ask this question for you, I want you to consider this in the room that you're watching this in. I want you to come up with guesses based on the multiple choice that I'm going to give you. How many times did Jesus pray in the Bible? One more time. How many times do we have recorded that Jesus prayed in the Bible? A, 3. B, 7. C, 12. D, 25. One more time for those in the back. 
How many times does Jesus pray in the Bible? A, three. B, seven. C, twelve. D, twenty-five. The answer is twenty-five. We have twenty-five times where we are told that Jesus prays in Scripture. So for us today, as we look into John chapter 17, let's look at today's portion of this prayer, reading it together and seeing what God has to say to us. John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that the Son may glorify You. Since You gave Him authority over all flesh, so that He may give eternal life to everyone You have given Him. This is eternal life, that, you may, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. As we look at this text, we see Jesus speaking these things looking up into heaven, giving us an idea as to the posture of Jesus when He approached God the Father. Father, the hour has come. Now, when most of us use a term like that, use a phrase like that, it is a resignation. I don't want to do what I'm about to do. And we definitely can see that that is present in the life of Jesus when we look at another prayer when He says, Father, take this cup from me. The idea of not doing what is there for you to do. Think through it with me. It's time to clean the house. The hour has come. It's time to pick up my room. The hour has come. It's time to take out the garbage. The hour has come. That's what comes to my mind when I read that phrase. It's resignation. But there is more to it than that when Jesus prays this. Because we do see the hour has come in that way. But we also see that when Jesus uses it, there is also a tone of realization. Because Jesus is saying to us, this is the reason that I'm here. Everything has been bringing us to this. The hour has come. It's time to celebrate. It's time to take our big trip. It's time for us to come back to church again. It's not resignation, it's realization. That is there when we look at the text. We see Jesus using a phrase that He has used two other times in the Scriptures. He uses the phrase when His mother tells Him to whip up something for the people at the wedding at Cana when there is no wine. And Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. Uh, We see it when Jesus confronts the Pharisees for missing him and they tried to have him arrested and Jesus was not arrested because his his hour had not yet come. So for us as followers of Jesus in the world that we've been called to in this world right now, in the midst of corona crazy, it will be easy for us to step away and just resign. But what if we realize the opportunity that we have been given to serve our neighbors in the simplest ways? When we talk about what we're going through as a society, as a community, as humanity right now, I want to encourage you because I want you to think that we have two options when it comes to talking about this. We can either talk around it or we can talk through it together. 
God has called us as His people in this time to make much of Him. God has given us an opportunity to declare how good He is in the face of how bad the world seems to be. We have a realization to make. What if we were to have the attitude of Jesus in the face of this? What if we stepped into the mess of this moment? and sought to show that Jesus is above all things good. Jesus then prays, Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Uh, Glorify is the verb form of the word glory, as you can tell by the fact that it's the same word. Uh, When we look at this idea of glorifying something, and we look at the idea of glory. We know a lot about this right now as you're teaching for home. Lots of you moms and dads, brand new homeschool teachers. Uh, and those of us who are homeschooling or who have homeschooled forever are walking around looking real smug in all of this. But as we consider the idea of teaching, I want you to consider this. You're teaching your family, you're teaching them English, you're teaching them math. In the words of Mr. Incredible, as I've looked at my kids' math, I don't know that way. I don't... Why would they change math? Math is math, math is math. But it's not math, it's different. It's something altogether different. Now we're talking about nouns and English and verbs. Noun, the noun word for glory, His majesty and His splendor the display of God's goodness. Or or if we're going to verbalize it in a different way, that God is a big deal. When we talk about the glory of God, we're saying that God is a big deal. The verb form is to glorify. It's to celebrate His goodness. It's to live and act like God is a big deal. Jesus is praying in this passage that His goodness is both seen and celebrate it. It's there, and we are to react as if it's there. He is praying that people would know that He is a big deal, and that people would act like He is a big deal. As people who belong to Jesus, we are to realize that we were made for situations such as this to show that Jesus is a big deal and to act as if Jesus is a big deal. We should ask ourselves this question every week as we are wrestling with our own prayer lives, as we are going before God the Father, as we are making petitions to Him through the Son. How does what I want from God align with the will of God? It's a great thing to write down if you're a note taker. How does what I want from God align with the will of God? In the history of the world, the church has shown Jesus in the face of suffering and struggle. The way we process all of this comes with the potential for people to see and celebrate Jesus. For people to see that Jesus is a big deal and for people to, to act like Jesus is a big deal. Jesus then prays, since you have given authority, since you have, since you gave him authority over all people, speaking of himself, so that He may give eternal life to everyone you gave Him. Jesus continues and He says this of Himself, and He clearly lets us know that it's about Himself. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. This, friends, is called the high priestly prayer by numerous people. 
And the reason that it's called the high priestly prayer is because the Jewish people had a great high priest who would offer up their sacrifices to God. And as he would offer up those sacrifices to God every single year on the Day of Atonement, he's doing so to cover their sins. But Jesus is pointing out that not only is he offering up these sacrifices, that he is the sacrifice. Everything has been taking us to this. And we see that God is our prize and Jesus is the champion who allows us to access this prize. We all know what champions are. Our most recent national champion in, in collegiate sports is the, are the LSU Tigers. They won the national championship in football. Some of our church members cheer for them for whatever reason. And because of that, we see that they were, there was a prize they were seeking to attain, and they, the champion who stands before us is this team. LSU fans love them. Friends, when we look at what it means for us to attain the treasure that is God, we see that Jesus is the champion who allows us to do so. Apart from Jesus, we cannot attain that championship. Apart from Jesus, we cannot take hold of that prize. We cannot know the treasure of God apart from what God has done for us in Jesus. God is our prize, and Jesus is the champion who allows us to access that prize. But He is also the prize. That we would know God because of the person of Jesus. We would know God the Father because of God the Son. Because our God has made a promise to us. He is a God of covenant, not simply a God of contract. He has promised to be for His people. God made huge promises, and in Jesus, God has fully kept His promises. We see the goodness of God biggest and brightest as we look at where Jesus is taking us. The hour that has come that Jesus is talking about is a reference to a specific point. And that specific point is that He will die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. That God the Son will die so that we can know God the Father, so that we can be people who interact with the treasure, the goodness, the prize that is God. Jesus then says this, verse 4, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Or think about it this way, I have celebrated you. I have acted like you, God, are the most important thing in the world. Jesus then prays, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence. God, I have celebrated you completely. So now, in this moment, I want you to celebrate me completely. I want you to show that I am the big deal that I am as you act and as you interact with this situation. God, I want you to make much of me as you make much of yourself. We see here that God, the God who we know in Jesus, we see the goodness of that God. It's biggest and brightest on the cross. Why? How? That doesn't even make sense. When I think about a crucifixion, I'm not thinking about a celebration. But what we can know as we consider that is we are no different than the Jewish people as they considered crucifixion. This would have been confusing to every Jewish person that God would be celebrated on a cross because the cross was a curse. But in this action, Jesus takes the sins of the world upon Himself. 
so that those who were referenced in chapter, in verses 2 and 3 of this passage could be invited into the powerful message of God, the redeeming work of God. This is where Jesus took our curse upon Himself. Remember, this is the high priestly prayer. We have a high priest going to offer up sacrifices, not only to cover sin, but to cleanse sin, because Jesus is the priest and He is also the sacrifice. Jesus is making it possible for us to go into a place that we cannot go, to be with a God who apart from Him we could not be with. I'm a huge sports fan. I don't know if you're a sports fan or not. If you are a sports fan, share with the people watching with you who your favorite sports team is. Maybe you cheer for the University of Tennessee. If you don't, you should. Maybe you're like me and you have favorite sports teams in different genres. In professional basketball, my favorite basketball team is the Dallas Mavericks. There was a moment for me in seminary where... I was invited to go to a Maverick game. A person had tickets, but they did not just have tickets. They had tickets. We sat on the floor. But as the game came to the conclusion, me, this friend, and another friend, all of us watching the game, expecting what happened next to be just to go home when the game was over, she gets a phone call from a college classmate, and he says to her, because he's a Dallas Maverick, I want you to come backstage. So we go stand outside of the locker room. Now, that's a place that I'm not allowed to go on my own. If you've not noticed, I'm not a professional basketball player or a professional anything. But I go to the back, not on my merit, but on the merit of this person. Because she was depending upon the merit of another. There was someone who belonged there, and the rest of us were able to go into that place because of him. When we look at this passage and we consider what it means for us as the people of God to enter into His presence, it's not based on our own merit. It's based on the fact that a blessing and a curse came together in the crucifixion of Jesus. And in so doing, the veil, as the Bible says, was torn in two, allowing all of us who were in Christ Jesus to go into His presence. In what Jesus is about to do on the cross, He is inviting us into a place where we don't belong apart from Him. He's inviting us into a place that we could not stand if it were not for Him. In no way can we understand, much less celebrate, the goodness of God apart from the cross of Jesus. It is through the cross where Jesus has invited us in. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without any sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I've been able to touch base with many of you this week. I want you to know that myself, our elders, we're praying for you. We feel futile, as I mentioned earlier. I feel helpless as I pray, but I know the one who is powerful in the face of my powerlessness. I trust the one who cares when at times I don't even know 
why we're supposed to care. And we're going before God before you because Jesus has said that we can, entering into his presence boldly, asking God to be gracious to us. If there's something that we can pray for you about, we would love for you to put that in the comment section of this feed. Or direct message it to us if you want to keep that a private thing. Church family, we love you. We care for you. And we're praying that God will bring us together soon because we are the people of God, empowered by God for the purposes of God. And we believe we're called to gather. Here's what I wanted to do today before we close out. Jesus has modeled for us how to pray. I want to go through that prayer together as we always do. You feel free to say it aloud. I always say it from the King James English because it's the one people are most familiar with. And it goes a little like this. Actually, exactly like this, not a little. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And everybody says, Amen. We love you guys.